Thanks, um, Colin, for that. Folks, um, you, you already know where we're going. We've uh, flagged, uh, flagged that all up for you in the service. We've uh, mentioned that we're going to start thinking together uh, about a, a theme, fruitfulness on the front lines. Um, we're going to be thinking for the next few weeks about all the differences that we can make as God's people in all the places where he puts us. And if you've been around uh, with us here at Kirkpatrick Memorial the last couple of years, you'll know that a theme like that isn't coming out of the blue. Those who are members of our discipleship groups will have been part of a course a couple of years ago uh, called Frontlines. Um, And that's where we were introduced to the idea uh, that we can follow Jesus in every part of our lives. The idea really is that there's no limit to the places where we can live for God's glory. It's our workplaces and our neighborhoods, our home, the gym, the factories where he puts us, the schools where we're pupils. So as a congregation, we're already very familiar with this idea that we have a front line. I've heard that term creeping into our, our vocabulary here, and that's great. Uh, We've begun to realize that life with God isn't about Sundays and church only, but it's about Monday to Saturday and all those places where he puts us. I had a sense a couple of years ago when we first started to think about this that that was quite an exciting moment for people. Um, It was lovely to, to hear our lives validated that stuff with with church and Sundays isn't the limit of God's interest in us. He is really interested in the whole of our lives. For a lot of us, I think that was a real game changer and, as I say, a real encouragement to us. But we're a couple of years down the line now from that initial realization. And for many of us, the idea that we have a front line is old hat, just not quite as new an idea, not quite as exciting anymore. And, and for some of us, I'm even going to say we might be suffering a wee bit of frontline fatigue. Um, that chat and that idea might be starting to, to wear on us a little bit. And I, I think of a sense of why that might be. Back then, when we first learned that we had a frontline, that was really exciting. Or that we had these endless frontlines. And a dream was born in us. And the dream was something like this. God really does care about the whole of my life. And he's given me these people in my workplace or in my sports team or in my neighborhood for me to reach. I'm going to learn to speak to them about Jesus. And sometime, hopefully in the not too distant future, they're going to become Christians and it's all going to be great. That dream, or or some version of that dream, has been playing itself out in our minds. And a couple of years later, in most cases, that dream, or our version of it, hasn't quite come true. At least not in the way we expected. We haven't found the courage, haven't become Billy Graham's, each one of us, extrovert evangelists, and 
our workplace or our neighborhood or even our family aren't yet converted to Jesus Christ? In his book, which accompanies this series that we're going to be following this next few weeks, Fruitfulness on the Frontline, Mark Green tells the story of Elaine. She's a woman that he met in a church in Scotland where he was doing a bit of work with this church. Loads of people in loads of different jobs. So they had a mum, a sales assistant, a graphic designer, a teacher, an actor, a doctor. A really diverse bunch of people, but, but they had one thing in common none of them could see that God was using them in their everyday lives. None of them thought they were being effective. So take Elaine, for example. She's a primary school principal. In the the recent years, she had turned around two uh, failing primary schools in tough areas of Glasgow. Now that in itself is an extraordinary achievement. Think about it for a second. She transformed the lives of hundreds of children and their families. She brought hope and dignity and joy to the whole community where these uh, two schools were located. She'd given countless people a better vision for their future. But here's the thing. Elaine still didn't think that she'd done anything for God. Now, why would that be? How can a Christian, a person like Elaine, be involved in all these incredible things and still feel that she's not cutting it? Like she's not pleasing God? It's because Elaine didn't place any value on anything that she did if it wasn't direct evangelism. If it wasn't finding opportunities to talk to people about Jesus and then talking to them about Jesus, and then them becoming Christians. If it wasn't that, it was nothing. She felt it wouldn't be of any interest to God. No. Elaine's not alone in that, is she? Loads of Christians, loads of us here this morning, we feel the same way. We don't believe that we're being effective for God because we've narrowed our definition of effectiveness to evangelism. Speaking the gospel about Jesus. If I'm not talking to people about Jesus, if I'm not aware that they have become Christians, then I'm not being used by God. In this series, Fruitfulness in the Frontlines, we're going to revisit the frontlines, which we learned about a couple of years ago. But we're going to bring a new focus to it. And we're going to look again at what effectiveness on our frontlines might look like. Actually, we're going to drop that word, effectiveness. Uh, that's the kind of word I heard a lot when I was a, a chartered accountant. That's a management speak kind of a word, a word that would have been uh, thrown up at a an appraisal meeting. We're going to use the biblical word, and you've heard it today. Fruitful. We're going to talk about fruitfulness on the front lines. Think of it, and, and you may have seen this. Think of a vine heavy with, with grapes, just ready to be picked. Think, think of an orchard, an autumn orchard, just the trees weighed down by these, this beautiful crop of apples. 
The Bible says that's what our lives can be like. We can be like the crop in that phase, fruitful. And we're going to think in this series about how. Let's come back for a second to this idea of of fruitfulness in our lives with God. If I don't think that anything else matters in my life with God other than evangelism, then my average day or week at work or at the school gate, I'm going to feel pretty much like I'm not doing anything for God. And actually, to make matters worse, if I'm the kind of person who thinks that the most important thing in life is to live for God, and I feel most days like I'm not doing anything for God, I'm going to feel very dissatisfied, like my life is a waste of time, like I'm disconnecting slowly from Jesus, from God, from his work in the world. We're going to have time to think about all of these ideas more as we go on with this series, but let me say something just at the start here today, because I don't want you to misunderstand me at this point. Evangelism does matter. Whatever else we say in this course, we say it in the context that nothing matters more for any human being than to hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ. People need to know the good news about Jesus, and they won't know it unless we share it with them. So we are called to pray for those who don't know Jesus. We're called to live in such a way that they can see Jesus in our lives. God wants us to be intentional about that, to be persevering, to look for those opportunities to boldly speak and gently share when the chance arises. But... Evangelism, as we're going to see throughout this series, isn't the only form of fruitful living. No more than apples are the only fruit. I need to tell you, folks, I, when we're talking about fruit, I, I love apples. That's, you know, I'm just going to take a few moments here to tell you why apples are the best fruit. It's dead easy, because they are amazing. It's the variety of flavors. You know, you, whatever you're into, you can have your, your golden delicious, soft and sweet, your pink lady somewhere in the middle there. You can have your Granny Smith tart, bit of, bit of spice there. And then there's the texture. I don't understand people who like pulpy food. I like crunch. You know, apples, you bite and you hear them. You know, it's not like a, not like a tomato squelch. You know, apple crunch. And then there's the cooking you can do with them. Like, we're, we're in September. We are heading into apple crumble season. This, it's all good for the next couple of months now. Apple crumble, lashings of cream. And then, I don't know, I'm, I think I must be a bit of a pragmatist at heart. I love the user-friendly format. You know, they're, throw them in your pocket throw them in your backpack for a hike, throw them in your school bag, and they come out still looking pretty good. Try that with a banana. You know, are you with me? Apples are the best fruit, yeah? Hands up if you're with me. With a few apple people in, okay. Apples are the best fruit. I, I know they're, you know, 
I like other types of fruit. I like strawberry. I like raspberry. I like, I like other things. Listen, even I, with my fixation on apples, appreciate that there are other types of fruit. There are loads of different types of fruit. There are the ones that we often forget are fruit, like, like the tomato. Do we have our picture of the tomato? That's the wee sneaky one. It feels to me like it should be in the vegetable category, but there it is, a fruit. And then there are the ones that we don't even know are fruit. Well, the smart guys among you will, but pumpkin. Do we know pumpkin's fruit? Yeah, you're all nodding. I, yeah, yeah, sure. Well, pumpkin is the biggest fruit we have, apparently. And uh, I read a wee thing there that said that the, the largest pumpkin on record weighed in at 2,032 pounds, I think it was. Wee bit shy of a ton. That, that's a, a big, big fruit. So, so my point is, folks, apples aren't the only fruit. Any more than sharing the gospel is the only kind of fruit that pleases our Father God. We need a richer and a fuller picture of what this life with Christ really is like. With a few minutes left, I'm going to take five minutes to give you a, just show you a few things that the Bible says about fruitfulness, a bit of a biblical picture of fruitfulness, and then we'll wrap it up for this morning. How long do you think you have to wait in the Bible till there's a mention of fruitfulness? Not very long. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. It says, be fruitful and increase in number. Now, you might be glad to hear that I'm not going to give any practical tips on how you should go about that. I'll leave that. I'll just leave that. Actually, come to think of it, this congregation is one where I don't think I need to give <laughs> any practical tips. Let's read on. Move on. Psalm 1, very famous opening psalm, mentions fruitfulness but gives it as a a metaphor for an obedient and godly life. So it reads like this, blessed is the man or woman who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. So a person who delights in God and meditates in God's law is a a fruitful kind of person. And this kind of godly living sustains a person right throughout their life. So in Psalm 92, we're told that the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They'll grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They'll flourish in the courts of the Lord. I love this. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Nature tells us that it's only young plants that bear fruit. The Lord in his grace says, fruitfulness is for people of all ages. In the New Testament, John the Baptist recognized that it was possible to bear bad fruit as well as good. Um, So he, he talked about producing fruit that's in keeping with repentance. That's his cry in the Judean desert. And Jesus talked often about good fruit and bad fruit. But Jesus' longest uh, conversation or 
comment about fruitfulness is the one we read today, John chapter 15. And where our memory verse comes from that we're going to keep before us throughout this series. Jesus tells his disciples that he's like a vine and that they're like branches and that he wants them to be laden with fruit. And as we've said now a number of times, the only way you can do that is by remaining in him. Claire's mentioned with with us uh, as I was preparing to speak to you, Sam's illustration from June really came to my mind. As soon as you cut the branch off, it not only doesn't bring any fruit, it, it dies. But the branch that remains in a healthy vine is fruitful. So if we're going to be fruitful, we need to remain in Jesus. What does that mean? Well, I think let's take the metaphor for all that it all that it is. It means that we expect our very life to flow through Christ to us, like sap through a vine into its branches. We, we remain in him, close. We love him. We dwell in his word. We obey him, and vitally we pray. Folks, that's what Jesus calls us to when he talks about fruitfulness. He wants us to be like branches in a vine. How do we summarize what the Bible says about fruitfulness? Well, it seems to me that fruitfulness is any any attitude, any word or action that pleases God. Anything that's in line with God's will. Anything that's an answer to that prayer that we pray, thy will be done. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, when we act in accordance with that. So it means that whenever a a child is cared for or a vulnerable older person, when we do that, then we're bearing fruit for God. It means when we are in our workplaces and there's a poisonous atmosphere, and that rather than joining in with that, and collaborating in it, we somehow start to become the antidote to that. It means when there's backbiting in our friendships, we don't feed it, but we, we see how there could be a restoration. It's, it's all of these things. We're, we're only going to spend time in this course together thinking about all of these things. Folks, fruitfulness in the end is anything that gives glory to God. I love that action that Claire chose in the memory verse, you know, the, the crowd, and uh, the, the celebrating. Do, do you know, this is a really important biblical idea, and I, I, I think we really need to get this. What does it mean to glorify God? Here's what I think it means. It means to live in any way that enhances God's reputation in the watching world. Anything that I do that makes my neighbor or my spouse or my kid or anybody else say to themselves, goodness, God is, God is great. God is beautiful. That's bearing fruit for God's glory. To make God look good, as good as he really is, So 
So the purpose on this series then is to inspire us for fruitfulness on the front lines. What, what I hope the series will do for you is that it'll encourage you, but it's going to inspire all of us and give us a, a bigger imagination. It's going to help us do two things. One, notice the ways we already are fruitful that we didn't notice. And two, be ready for, for new forms of fruitfulness. So we're going to follow a simple framework. If you've got one of those memory verse cards, could you turn it over at this point? It's what we're going to call the six M's. You'll probably hear us referring to the six M's a little bit between now and Christmas, so probably be worth staying awake or, or waking up to hear a, an early explanation of this. What we're going to be asking ourselves over the next six weeks is, how might I on my front line, one, model godly character? I'm not going to take any time today. I don't have time. How can I be fruitful by making good work? That one might surprise us. Do you know that excelling, doing well in our jobs brings glory to God? We'll talk about that. By ministering grace and love, how can I be fruitful on the front line by molding culture? I've mentioned that a couple of times. We all mold culture. We all shape the environments, the social environments we find ourselves in. If you're in a family, you contribute to the culture of your family. If you're an employee, you contribute to the culture of your workplace. I'll need to move on. How, how do we be a, a mouthpiece for truth and justice? And yes, how do I be a messenger for the gospel? We're going to come back to these questions throughout the autumn uh, as we encourage each other for life on the front lines. I want to close today with a, a twofold invitation. One is to stick with us on Sunday mornings. Um, we're going to go at this for about seven or eight uh, more Sundays. So join with us here as we learn more about fruitfulness in the front line. And the second thing is get along to your discipleship group. Because that's the place we're going to get a chance to take any teaching that you hear on a Sunday and talk it through with other people and pray. Pray it into your lives. If you aren't in a group yet, but you hear me talking like this and you think, goodness, I maybe would like to be or should be in a group, stick your name on the sign-up sheet there in the vestibule. Tell me that you want to be part of, of a network of discipling uh, communities, places where you're helped to follow Jesus, and I'll, I'll follow up with you. I'm going to finish for today, but I thought uh, it might help by letting you see a, a little two-minute promo video um, for the, the course Fruitfulness on the Frontlines, which is going to be running just now. <laughs>